Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. The 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. All right, guys, welcome to the Western Rookie episode. I'm really excited about this because we are heading out to Colorado right now. We might actually not stop in Colorado tonight. We may go straight down to Arizona. And I'm with Brian Krebs and Chris Parsons. What's going on, guys? Having a good time. Yeah, great time so far. We uh, had a 12-hour drive starting out today, and we have five hours and 40 minutes left, so we're officially more than halfway there. Yeah, we survived. This is, uh, this is definitely a first for me as a podcaster. Have you ever done this before, Dan? I haven't. It feels, it feels like we're all flying in a plane together. Yeah, like a bush pilot or a helicopter hog hunt. Yeah, like someone's going to come through with radio traffic like, hey, you got a bird off your left side. Bird strike. <laughs> that's probably not how they talk at all. I don't know how they talk. We are going to put it down in the Hudson. <laughs> if we put this truck down in the Hudson, I think we've got bigger issues than just podcasting. Um, but yeah, we're going out. So Stephen Walker, he's been on the show before. And unlike a lot of people, there's a lot of people that I talk to about setting up hunts. And some of them we make happen. A lot of them we don't. This is one... After Brian and I talked to him, we said we have got to go find some brown elk sheds, hopefully some mule deer sheds, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We've been anticipating this for a while because Brian has been sending us pictures of brown elk sheds, and I'm like, dude, are you going to leave any out there for us? No, Steve. St- sorry, Steven's yeah. been sending us pictures. He's been sending Brian and I pictures. So it's going to be one heck of a trip, man. What? It, let's start with this. What are your guys' expectations? Because, Brian, you've shed hunted before. Chris, you have zero experience shed hunting. And I will just find them when we're actually elk hunting. But I've never gone out west specifically to find drop antlers. Well, right off the bat, I'm hoping for a more uh, successful elk hunt or shed hunt than our first one. Um, Like, biology-wise, on my own end. Yeah. We don't have a great track record of shed hunting together yet, so... Not at all. Priority number one, not throwing up, would be a good start Yep. for me. And then I don't have expectations, but I have goals. I would love to find a brown mature elk shed and a brown mature mule deer shed. That would make my trip. If I found, like, a cool deadhead in a spot where we can legally take it, I think that'd be really cool to bring home too and put in the shop. We're kind of building like a deer camp shop back home at the family farm. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
what are you defining a mature elk shed as? Are you talking like the size of the pedicle or are you saying five points or bigger or six points or bigger? I would say like a big five by or a six by. Like I'm not like 175 or bust, <laughs> but um, yeah, like a mature elk that just like not a raghorn because I've found a couple of raghorn sheds now, um, elk hunting. And so just like a, I don't know, 200 inch bull or over i guess yeah. that's not really mature mature but like not raghorn satellite bull would be the proper satellite term. bull or bigger yeah. yeah no that makes sense what if what if we find out like a year from now that steven doesn't actually have a church thing going on tonight and that he's out there placing sheds just so that we for sure find some you know what i would probably just choose to ignore that i found out and just be like steven you still on for this year's shed hunt yeah exactly oh crap dude you go place all your biggest sheds out there i'm fine with going and picking them up we wouldn't know the difference chris what about you what are your uh expectations or what do you think is going to happen out there man that is a very fair question considering i am by definition the western rookie uh, I have no idea what to expect. Uh, in fact, I don't even know exactly where we are going. <laughs> that makes three of us. All right. We just we were halfway through Kansas and we got a we got an address of where to show up to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got halfway to I got three quarters of the way to KC last night. I'm like, oh, by the way, Dan, you never sent me an address of where I'm supposed to meet you guys. Dude, I straight up hit send, and I don't know what I was doing at the time, why it didn't go through. But you said something along the lines of like, oh, the address didn't pull up. And so I was like, oh, that's weird. I'll, I'll have Chris send you a pin drop of where we're dropping the truck off and where we can meet up. And then I went to the messages to you and realized that it just never went through. It wasn't like an issue with the mapping software. I just never fully sent it. Yeah. And I thought it was super funny this morning. Um, because this whole time Chris has been like, I, do you guys know where we're going or like a town that I can look up and like get a weather forecast? And we're like, nope, no idea. And somewhere so, in the southwest U.S. Yeah, somewhere between, you know, the west coast and the Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> um, south of the Mason-Dixon. And so Chris piles in the backseat and he's like, dude, I'm kind of concerned because the size <laughs> of your sleeping bag is really big. Dude, your sleeping bag is the size of our whole 10 by 10 tent not quite it's pretty big it's not much smaller i mean girth wise it's as big i mean i Length thought it wise, first maybe it's it was like for all three half. of us yeah <laughs> just a family zip together sleeping bag we'd stay warm there goes your concerns about staying warm right yeah well then he gave me this deal of like here's some pictures of what to expect when uh uh shed hunting and they were all in the snow <laughs> you and send him like negative like, five degree pictures in a foot of snow in Minnesota, and he's like, "Oh my gosh!" He's like, "Wait, is there going to be snow? I did not pack for snow." And I'm like, "I don't think so." Chris, so, think so Chris's good. goal is not to get frostbitten or hypothermia. Yeah, right. And now apparently throwing up is a concern. So I just learned <laughs> that that's one of his Brian's goals is to not throw up. I didn't know that was on the docket either. So. Chris is like, Dan, you are not paying me enough for this. I should have stayed home and hung out by the pool with my wife. Well, this is, I guess we could talk about that too. So Chris is here to, to film and shoot. He's here to run the camera, which I've never had a like, dedicated camera person on a hunt before. Yeah, also you're splitting his uh, cost with me, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I bought his lunch. 
Oh, there you go. All right. Yeah, I got the half uh, half priced uh, lunch burritos left over from breakfast. Yeah, I totally. Listen, that was killer. We got to cover that, okay? <laughs> I thought Brian was pulling a fast one on me. We were in the middle of nowhere, and we were looking for a gas station, and it took us to this terrible gas station at first. We're like, there's not any food here. We're going to go to the next gas station. That turned out to not be a gas station, so we backtracked, and I'm I'm filling up with gas, and Brian comes out with this big stupid grin on his face and i was like oh here we go what's he gonna say and he goes dude it's really nice in there there is a lot of food and it looks really good and i'm like oh come on man like there's little debbies and old taquitos or something he's like no i'm serious just wait just wait the whole time i thought you were messing with me but you weren't it was probably it was probably multiple socioeconomic levels higher than the surrounding landscape in town and county. Like you just, you we've been driving for hours in the middle of nowhere, and you all you start seeing is co-op gas stations where the truckers and farmers use, and you're expecting like I hope they sell food. Yeah. Like I hope there's an inside that sells food and drinks because we're hungry, we're thirsty. I gotta go to the bathroom. And then we walk in, and it was like they must have just got done renovating it. They had a full, like a full. I mean, almost a deli to pick from. Yeah. At the chicken balls. Chicken balls, which I mean, it's like the same as Rocky Mountain oysters, just from a chicken, right? Well, that's not what they told me. Oh. Um, they tasted like chicken. I guess I never really thought to ask that. We're in Colorado now. I mean, technically, they wouldn't be chicken balls, though, right? They'd be cock balls. Well, I don't know. Rooster what balls. Call it. Well, Rocky Mountain That's what they should have called oysters them. either. You know that, right? Yeah, no, I know that. Chicken or <laughs> so I don't buffalo think wings what, don't come off a of buffalo. Yeah, I don't think Let's, it matters what the animal got all that is. Covered. <laughs> so, no, we had a great lunch for, for where we are in the world right now. Calzones, burritos, chicken balls, yeah, potato wedges. I only let Chris pick off of the, the day-old menu, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He got half price because he hasn't proved his worth yet. Right, yeah, you just, just didn't know how good they actually were. If they were, I probably would have been eaten from the leftover Cheeto bag. <laughs> also, we look like the Beverly Hillbillies with how loaded down your truck bed is and your back seat. Yeah, we got, I was a little bit worried about space. We had to bust out the cargo net and a couple of ratchet straps because we're tenting it. We're wall tenting it here. Um, and so we got a lot of gear. Yeah, but it's going to be worth it. I th- we we debated when we were transferring gear from truck to truck where we were going to put elk sheds. And I really genuinely hope that we have a problem of fitting all the elk sheds back here. Did you see that car? No, I didn't. That was a Domino's delivery car out here. No way. <laughs> we're like 50 miles Dude, there's from not, the nearest there, town. There's not a house in sight. <laughs> there's like an oil tower and some cows and nothing but desert. I can't believe they delivered Domino's out here. Dude, there's no way. That guy's. this is his daily commute, probably. And he's just sponsored they probably, by Domino's. They just let him take the Domino's car home because he's the only employee in the entire county. Maybe. Yeah, so if we look like the Beverly Hillbillies now, imagine oh, what man. we're going to look like with a bunch of elk and mule deer antlers strapped to the back and maybe a big old deadhead. I wish it wasn't like a visual impairment to just put every elk shed in order of size on the grill of your truck but you know how fun that would be it it would suck because you'd have to clean a lot of bugs off but yeah it'd be pretty sweet yeah we'll have to figure it out hopefully we have that problem i mean that's what we kind of reminded ourselves is like that's a good problem to have to solve let let's do a bet all right 
first, we've got a bet going already. Yep. The person who finds the biggest shed. Yep, has to buy lunch on the way home, which usually isn't just like the leftover breakfast burrito line. <laughs> like we'll stop someplace fancy. Like Subway. Like Subway. Yeah. <laughs> they make... I'm going to take wait, you... Wait, 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 wait. Have we you seen we, that? We, we couldn't find any... <laughs> franchise anything in the last hundred miles have you guys seen that <laughs> That's a good uh, point. that is a good point maybe dinner we'll yeah stop, dinner. dinner have you seen the tiktok or the instagram or whatever where the husband's like hey babe you want to go someplace real fancy where they make the food right in front of you and she's like oh my gosh that sounds awesome and he takes her to subway <laughs> That's perfect. i thought he's gonna take her to the kitchen because she cooks for him every day Ooh, there you go um no what do you guys let's do a bet on uh total sheds found are we getting to include Steven and Steven's friends' sheds? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, okay. Everybody in our party, by the end of the trip, we're going to go total, not day-to-day, total in the days that we're shed hunting, how many sheds found? I don't want to guess first. I'm going gonna, gonna to pull a Steve Rinella and get, like, real egotistical and picky about, like, how I answer this. You mean in whine and complain if you don't get it right well, that we'll something see. We'll was see. wrong? We'll see. No, but no more like, I have an answer, but I want to hear everyone else's answer first. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I see it. All right. Um, I am going to go. I'm going to go with what I really hope happens. And not like unrealistically hope, but this is going to be outside m- most guesses, probably. I'm hoping that we find 49 sheds between everybody. And I think most people would say that's high. I feel like you're going to need to elaborate on the detail of that number. Like one less than 50? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think we're going to find 49 sheds. I think most people would say, you know, like 18 to 20, maybe 30 would be good numbers. But I hope that we get into multiple spots where there's been a bachelor group of bulls that have dropped antlers and we just clean house. Well, you got to like tell the listeners. So 49 sounds like a lot, but the guy we're going with, Steven. Oh, yeah. He's had years where he has found over 500 sheds in the season. So it's not like that. It, like you said, like it's not unrealistic. It's, it's still a lot, though. It's still a lot. But I think it would be in most senses, even if we talked to him, he would probably say those numbers are high, and that would be three really good days of shed hunting. Yeah, three really good days of shed hunting. Chris, what's your number? Uh, that's tough because I've got a bit of a different goal, and that is I want to make sure that uh, we can document this trip for all these listeners so everybody can kind of see what's going on. In fact, that conversation that you guys had, I think I caught that at the gas station. So shameless plug, whenever the uh, video comes out, you guys can watch some of that and kind of see, as well as the nothingness that we have going on that I keep videoing all of the brown grass. Uh, Aside from that, I think I would be happy if we could bring like, I wanted to say 18 or 19. So I was going to say 20, but now we got to be like super specific with our numbers. So I'm going to go 18. 18. Oh, and in all fairness, we are not playing prices right rules on this. Yeah, just total okay. closest, not the yeah, closest, yeah. but going over. All right, so he said 18, you said 49, right? So that's a split of 21. I'm going to go I'm going to go 27. 20 Dude, these are all solid numbers because I'm going to go it's I think it's going to be hard to average double digits a day. 
I think it will. Yeah. But I hope you. I hope you're right. I will gladly. I'll, I'll gladly pay whatever bounty or whatever. Uh, what What's the What's on the line for this bet? We got to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Dude, I'm not going. I'm not doing anything crazy. Like I almost said, like you get first pick of the biggest antler, but we're keeping whatever we find. Like, yeah, we're, if you find it, you keep it. We've no decided we're asked. not doing shedicate rules. No. Nope. For this, which is typically whoever finds it, whoever sees it first, found it, regardless of like who is closer and who picks it up, or like, hey, I found one on your canyon. Can you go over there and grab it? And we're not doing match set rules where whoever finds the first half gets the second if the second is found. And we decided to do that because this is kind of like a destination hunt. Like, one of us could find our only big brown elk shed of our life and then have to, like, give it up right away because somebody else found the other half first, and that would just suck. I think it might be a good idea, though. Say we're glassing. I see an elk shed, and we have to walk over to it. I think it would be fair to like have me walk in front because i i glassed it so like i'll walk up and that way if the match set is sitting there i could pick it up and same with you you know what i mean we've had that happen on whitetail sheds before my wife found one and it was her first like good shed she's found all by herself so me and my buddies are all like coming over congrats that's awesome and then like 10 yards farther on the same line the other half was there and my buddy's like oh yeah the other half's right there and so like we just give it to her you know because she would have found it it's right there like she would have taken another step and found that one as well so like i've never it's like oh here's one there's the other that one was just behind a bush i've never been like oh this half's mine because yeah we're not going like usain bolt you see it and then it's like everyone races over there to see if the match set's sitting there somewhere oh i picked mine up first yeah yeah if you glass it it's yours also uh you've got grizz with I've got a shed dog. So you've got, dude, I really hope out of nowhere he just comes busting through the brush with a big old brown in his mouth. That'd be sweet. I'm really curious to know if he can. So he was trained on elk sheds. I bought a match set of like, I think I scored him at 280. Um, So they were like decent sized elk sheds, not as big as they get by any means, but he would do pretty good when he was younger. Like he learned how to pick them up in the middle or closer to the base and but that was a long that was like four years ago so i'm curious what'll happen if he comes across one but they should have a ton of scent on them yeah it's super dry out here so maybe that's a wild card i wasn't thinking about but i would imagine like an elk shed's got more scent more visibility he i would hope that he does better on those than deer sheds did you bring did you bring a shed out at all to get him primed no i never do no i didn't i didn't know if that was a thing i've never had a shed dog I started training Scout, and he's actually got a really good nose and was finding him very quickly, um, like just the ones that I play. So obviously they've got my scent on them also. And uh, I just didn't know if that's something you do. Like you take him out, you get him all riled up, you toss a shed out there, have him find it, and that way he's just like ready to go. No, I think people do that, and I don't think it would be a bad idea. I just, I literally went through the thought process of, like, do I want to, like, carry a shed all the way out there with as tight as gear we have? And packing, it's like, ah, probably poke holes and shit. Like, I don't, I don't think I need to go that extreme. Um, And he's never really had an issue with it. Like, we'll walk around, and then when he sees one, he's like, oh, hey, now we're shed hunting. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think having him is going to be beneficial. Yep. Um, 
I think having this many people glassing and walking because I know like it's the four of us, us and Steven that is, and then it sounds like one or two days there's going to be other guys out there with us. Uh, and this is all country that Steven's familiar with. So we've got a lot of a lot going in our favor. Antelope. There's an antelope. That's a uh, Brian actually already found his first deadhead. It was yeah. on private land off the highway. We did not stop to pick it up, and it was a whitetail. It was a mature whitetail. It was, I didn't get a huge look at it, um, but it was outside its mythical ears because there was no more ears. It was. You thinking like 130, 140 or bigger? Um, I, the, from the look I got to it, I don't think it was going to be smaller than 120, and I would honestly be very surprised if it was like bigger than 150. So, okay. I mean, it, it was in that like you would want a better look size range. Yeah. So. Yeah, we, uh, we're going to be in it. We'll see. I mean, we either meet up with Steven tonight at his place or we shoot down and he comes down and meets wherever we're going to be setting up camp. And either way, tomorrow we're going to be out shed hunting. Yeah, I actually still don't know me. what the weather – I know that at night it's going to drop down. You said below freezing. When we talked to him initially, he said probably in the 40s. I am way more okay with cold weather than if it's how it feels outside right now. I mean, it's hot, no, hardly any clouds in the sky. I'd rather not be sweating like crazy. Hopefully it's a good, comfortable hiking and shed hunting temperature. Well, today is going to be the hottest. It's supposed to be like 83 degrees today yeah. and then like 60s the rest of the week. I just, I don't know. Below freezing isn't like, it sounds scary, but it's not that cold. Like, no. I'm talking like it's probably going to be 30 or 28 yeah, right on the edge. And with four people in a tent, I think we'll be very comfortable. We've all got cold enough bags. None of them are as big as Brian's, but... Well, to be fair, like, my girth is a little bit bigger, too. Like, That's I, true. I need more material. I'm a... Well, Chris is kind of tall, but I'm, like, a good six inches taller than you. Dude, also a good six, <laughs> six inches, inches taller. Oh, my gosh. We had a conversation earlier. I don't believe there's any guys out there that are truly 5'11". Dan says he's 5'11", but I think if you're truly 5'11", you say you're 6' because why not? And if Because you're, you're not 6' foot. And if you say you're 5'11", that means that'd you're like 5'9". Like, that'd be like you know you I'm 39, off. which I'm not 30. Okay, I'm for good example, I'm 34. Nobody's 34. <laughs> Everyone's 35. If you say you're 34, you're actually 33, but you're rounding up. Well, that's different. If you're, if you're truly 34, you'd say you're 35 just because. Why not? That's it doesn't different make sense. Because there's no inherent benefit for, like, one year over the other. It, oh, here's a better Nothing one. Nothing in my life would change if I said I was 6 foot versus 5'11". Nothing a, here's at a, all. Here's a better version. You're at a bar, and someone says, yeah, I'm 20 years old. You're like, no one says that in a bar. You're either 21 or you fake being 21. Yeah, because there's a benefit to it. There's no there's benefit. A, you don't think there's a benefit to starting your height off with a 6? about lying and saying I'm one inch taller like nobody nobody that needs to know my height is going to be more impressed by me being one inch taller or pretending that I'm one inch taller now in like football I understand there's a lot of people who yeah exactly. say they're a little bit taller right. I like I'm not getting drafted right like I don't a, have to fake a 40 time like if a quarterback was listed as 5'11", I'd be like, I guarantee you he's like 5'9", and they know they can't pull sure. off six foot, so they listed him as 5'11". For sure, but what benefit do I get from that? Why I would I 
just knowing you're that much better than your 5'11 self. But I'm not. I'm well, not much worse because now I'm a dishonest 5'11. Yeah, but that's like 2% taller, 1% taller. So, but but I'm not actually. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just like, what is time. the perceived benefit of something like, well, hey, man, how's it going? I'm in a business meeting. Somehow height comes up. Oh, yeah, man. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm right at six foot. Well, it's six foot. Oh, you know right what? I'm a- actually going to give you my business because <laughs> you are not under six feet tall. No, but six feet is generally where you need to be to have a 30-inch draw and get that extra energy into your arrow. And who doesn't want to be known for shooting the most powerful, fastest bow? And they're like, if you tell yourself enough that you're six foot, maybe you will buy a 30-inch draw Hey, listen, bow. I've seen a lot of guys with a long draw and pulling back heavy poundage that cannot shoot very well. Why'd you look at me when you said that? You've never I, seen me shoot my bow. Oh, I'm just having conversations, so I was trying to like kind of make <laughs> eye contact every now and then. <laughs> Chris, okay. what benefits have you seen? Do you think you would have a lower caliber of life if you were under six feet? This is a great question, and I've been trying to figure out how to get into this conversation, and I just don't see a window to where I can participate. Is that a nice way of saying I don't really care? I feel like there are other measurements that are of more benefit over the long run. Yeah, like your hands. (laughs) Well, if you're six feet tall, statistically, you got bigger hands. Right? There you go. I, I don't know. I've never actually looked that up, but I'm sure it's probably pretty accurate. Well, I'm pretty sure you and Shaq don't have the same size hands. No, that's definitely true. But I mean, he's but over if you were over feet, six foot, so. you might be closer. Is yeah. it the same rule then at six eleven? Like, is there nobody six eleven? If you're six eleven, you just say seven feet tall. I think that's true. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think if a basketball player came up to me and said they're six eleven, I'm like, so you a strong like six nine, six eight? Because who wouldn't be listed as seven foot? I mean, there are people in the NBA right now who are listed as 6'11". Yeah, because they're 6'8", so they know they can't get away with 7. People would call them out on it. But then again, why? Like as a whole, what's the point? Because if everybody was just honest, you would actually know how tall people were. So it's like you've got four guys all different heights saying that they're 6'11", and none of them are actually 6'11". So it's like... I, I just don't understand. I don't get it. I don't see why that would be even well kind of an issue. Right off the bat. Like like vertical? When you have a vertical, when you have a 39.5-inch vertical, you actually have a 39.5-inch vertical. You do not have a 40-inch vertical, and you don't claim to have a 40-inch vertical. Well, that's and that makes more sense to lie about because it's a feat of athleticism and not just something biological. Maybe, but I just don't think this is the kind of argument you can win with logic. It's definitely, I, I figured that out a while ago, but I'm trying to convert you to actually use your brain. Well, I've never needed to because I'm 6'2", so. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so back to shed hunting. <laughs> Brian is going to find a six-point side, which is actually going to be a five-point side, and uh, he's going to be really excited about Have it. You, are you saying you've never rounded up a deer? Like, if you shoot a 149-inch buck, you're never like, yeah, I shot like a 150-class buck. I guess. I don't know the exact. I've only measured up until, like, three, maybe four months ago, I had never measured a deer, ever. Oh. I had to look up a YouTube video of exactly how to measure a deer, and then I measured my deer. And I did it to the most precise measurement that I possibly could. And if... It was teetering on, like, 
a half of an eighth or a sixteenth, you know, yeah. I just rounded down, and then the next one I would go up to even it out because I had two halves, so it added Technically, one more Technically, I think eighth. you're if you if you're in between an eighth, you always round up an eighth. I think that's Ooh, actually I didn't know that. bracket rules. So I might be, you know, yeah. over the entire measurement. See, the, of the whole deer. system is based on not, rounding up. I'm not. I'm not rounding up like an inch. I'm not even rounding up a half inch. Well, I wasn't even okay rounding up an eighth of an inch unless I rounded down an eighth of an inch somewhere else. I think you're just so honest that you're missing out on a little life. I just don't see a point in not. I don't know. But I do think that we're going to find a lot of sheds. I hope I find the five-point and the six-point version, and then we can see how close they are. I don't I think can... five-points exist, though. <laughs> it's really it's either like a four well well or a six. played chris well i would say played. i would say in hunting stories satellite bulls don't exist because if you <laughs> if you shoot if you like i shot a satellite bull you really shot a raghorn but you want to sound you want the story to sound better and if you shoot a true satellite you're like oh this is a herd bull for sure yeah but aren't the satellite bulls actually like on the outskirts of the herd and the raghorns are typically mixed in with the herd so there is a distinction aside from just being antler size yeah technically satellite like a raghorn a raghorn could totally be a satellite bull also well, technically, it could be a herd bull, too. It could be, yeah. But when people talk about sizes, like, everyone wants to say you, they yeah, shot a herd Yeah, you understand. Bull. Yeah. So in hunting stories, I don't think satellites really exist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, could, I could kind of understand that. I think, uh, yeah, I think finding the antlers from what is a perceived satellite bull or a herd bull would be amazing. I would imagine we're going to find several raghorns. What do you think? Like four to one, five to one? Raghorns versus satellite or herd? Well, I think, so we're going, we're going to spend most of our time in either New Mexico or Arizona in some highly managed units. So I think the, I think the average bull is pro- probably a satellite, not a, not a raghorn. Because they, like think of a bull's life. He's a spike for one year. He's a raghorn for one, maybe two years, depending on a couple factors. But then a majority of his life, he's either a satellite or a herd bull. Yeah. So, like, if you look at antlers on that. No, that's true. You know, I think most of them are going to be satellite size. Dude. Okay, so rookie back here. Yeah. What are we talking about? Elk. Right. So. Raghorn, satellite, herd. So there's spikes. That's self-explanatory. Sure, sure. The raghorn is his next year up. So that's where you get typically like a three by four, four by four. They're, you know, the beam's probably 20 inches, 30 inches, um, you know, five inch tines. I got a couple of raghorn pictures I could show you of, of elk antlers I've found in um, archery hunting. Then they do that for like a year, maybe two, and then they get to that intermediate bull size for like when they're three years old to maybe five, six. It really depends on the unit and what the herd structure is like, the age class. But they'll be like a five point, like a solid five, maybe a little six. They won't be satellites like a behavior. They won't really be big enough to hold down their own herd of cows in the rut. Like they'll get beat up by a real mature bull. Well, I don't even know if they get beat up. They just know they can't swing. They, it. Yeah, yeah, they probably know, but it's like there, there's no way that they could hold down the territory or hold down their harem because a bigger, more mature bull is going to push them off. Sure, but sure. That makes they're kind of like that teenage, maybe college age kid who's like, I'm the dude. Lots and of And then energy. like a 30 year old guy who's very successful shows up and it's like, okay, I'm not as awesome as I thought I was. Yeah, but I feel like 
even that 30-year-old is the satellite when you ask, like, a 50-year-old, like, multimillionaire businessman. Oh, yeah, the older <laughs> you get, the the more you look down upon it younger can, people. It can really depend. So, like, a, a, a herd bull on an, on an OTC or a general unit might be a, like, very small satellite in a trophy unit. Does that make sense, Chris? Like, the age structure is just different, and it takes a bigger, more dominant elk to hold down a herd. But yeah. herd and satellites, more behavior. Like, do you – does that bull – have his own harem of cows or not satellite bulls t- satellite bulls typically roam around by themselves and they try to steal a cow if they can in the middle of the like the moment when everything's going nuts but they don't hold her down and keep her for the whole run like yeah yeah that makes sense they'll just try to they're like the milkman they just try to sneak in when the when the guy's out to work yeah, I mean, that's right. fair. you got to yeah. have those. You like, know? you're not going to be full-time, like, I'm taking her now. I mean, you can't mine. fault him for that, though, right? you got to work with what you got. It's like being less than six foot. <laughs> yeah. It's actually part of Hardy Weinberg's equilibrium on, like, um, evolution and Darwinism. And, and, like, like strength and power and size is only, like, one attribute that yeah. helps for, like, natural selection. But, like, cunning and, and stealth and like intelligence like obviously these animals have it to a degree like if you can find a way to sneak in and breed a cow without getting beat up like obviously you got some brains like yeah you get, like you got something else that might be advantageous to the gene pool yeah, yeah your you genes might get not, passed on you might not be six foot but at least you're honest and use your brain right well <laughs> you still might get beat up from time to time <laughs> oh, oh shoot you're always risking it <laughs> so hey do you have a confession do i have a confession yeah why no, I'm actually 6'2". No, I know, but do you have a confession now about the size of your bull that you shot? Which bull? I your shot big two. bull. Well, he was a herd bull because he had cows. No, I know, but how many inches did he actually score? 354. Are you sure it wasn't 350? No, because, yes, I am sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> because when I first scored him, I took, so his whale tails bend out so far at the end, I assumed his widest um, inside spread would be like, in between his like thirds yeah and then like a year later i was like oh wait he's way wider back here and i it was 31 versus 34 so he went from 351 to 354 oh all right yeah Rally the other up. one was 279 and i call him 280 all day long yep okay I, he, fi- I figured he had a couple of broken tines so. i figured one of those i have no idea i've not scored my bulls at all i you need know. to I need to see what they score. You know what I'm excited about? As What's many that? elk sheds as Steven finds, I'm sure there's some hammers at his house. Oh, dude, you know he's got, like, the biggest and most unique ones. He said he's going to call us in a little bit. I feel like it's almost worth driving all the way to his house just to see his shed collection. That, well, I don't know if I want my hopes to get up that high. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do you do it? Do you go and see it beforehand and go, man, I really hope we get into one of these? Or do you go afterwards and be like, hey, we did all right, and then see his and go, oh, crap, dude. No, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's a good idea. I feel like beforehand. Yeah, you get energized to, like, actually maybe, like, you might manifest it. You think so? Well, you like, think if that's just, one of those things? You put it out in the universe and no, the universe I meant more like back? You're so excited and you're energized, you, like, walk farther. Yeah. I... I've not found many elk sheds. In fact, I found one last year. Okay. I glassed it up and said, you know what? I'm just going right after it because of some events that happened in the past that listeners already know about. I found a really nice six-point side last year, but it was so chalky and white and brittle. I mean, like, 
you grab onto it and you have white powder left on your hands. I but just, it's a really, really nice elk. I just had a podcast with Sean Curtis from Wyoming. I don't know if it'll release before or after this, but he does antler resurrection. And he found a way to, like, turn those chockers back into, like, browns by, like, restoring them. He applies some stuff, paints them up. That's and so cool. it would, like, basically keep it from getting worse. Yep. And then also make it look kind of fresh. It's still not going to, like, if it's that chalky, you're not going to get all the weight back, but it would still look cool. Is there something you're supposed to do to them? Like, I've after pre- you find them? Because I've never preserved anything as far as the antlers go. Like, will they eventually turn white? No. Even if they're kept inside? No. Will they get chalky eventually? No. Not that I've seen. I mean, I've seen... I mean, look at, like, your grandpa's buck up on the wall. Like, those antlers aren't chalky. They're... The, the fur is just No, but dusty. I never see, like... I never see dark brown antlers on anything hanging on the wall anymore. Like, if it's an old one. It, it typically seems like they're starting to get that, like, beige or yellowy color. And maybe that's what they look like when they were shot. Or, or maybe they do... I mean... Obviously, it would be a lot slower than being out in the sun getting baked. But no, I wonder if there's yeah. some type of aging that still happens with them. Well, I think people that smoke in their houses had their stuff turn yellow. Oh, yeah, I can but, see that. Like, my dad's got some bucks on the wall that are at least 25 years old, and I have, they still look like hard white, like white tails with white tines and brown bases. Yeah. But, no, once you take them out of the sun, the UV, like, they pretty much stop aging. That's good. I've never had one, like, start to degrade. My brother had a house fire one time, and he said they put it out, and he walked in, and his buck, he had a 150-inch buck that just disintegrated over the course of, like, an hour. Everything? Like, it dry, yeah, the heat and the dry layer, like, it just fell apart. Jeez. So, yeah. The antlers just, like... Well, and I can imagine, just like, that mount is way. just foam underneath. Well, and even that antlers. burns, it's got to be hot. But I'm saying, like, yeah. that's even a source of fire connected to the antlers. True, yeah. So it's like, the fire would probably get pretty intense right yeah. there the yeah. whole house is going to be intense but you know what i mean yeah so no i don't once you pull them out of the sun they they're fine all right that's good to know some do you people do anything oil. with the pedicle no the pedicle just stays exactly all the, the same? sheds i've found over the years nothing's changed them i mean if you have one that's got a little blood or pink on it a lot of times that'll like dry up and it'll just be like straight white but i've had a couple that are like really bloody like they must have fell off hours before i picked them up and sometimes that dries on red in a way. Hmm. But that's the only change I really see. Some people, like, do put, like, a little tiny, like, oil just to keep them hydrated and, like, coated and protected. And it just makes them shine a little bit. Like, gives them a little bit of, you know, whatever, glisten. But I don't do that. Have you have you ever done anything, like, creative with your elk sh- or any of your sheds that you find? Have you ever, or I guess, what's your outlook or opinion on engraving in uh jewelry knife handles things like that you into that kind of thing no i don't do any of that i bought a little moose paddle once and i was gonna make a cribbage board and sell it and i gave up on that real fast that would actually be really cool i love cribbage i I love cribbage too but i did not love that project i'll tell you that no I'm not, and I'm, I'm not an artist. I just, that's what I've learned over and over again is I'm not an artist. I can build stuff. I can craft, like I can be a, like a contractor and like build a deck, but I can't do like artistic things. Do you think, could you lay, could you put like an, a chunk of elk antler on a lathe and almost make like the pegs for a cribbage board? People do it, but I don't think they use a lathe. 
Could you imagine that though? Because like, you can't imagine how having... you use, like you'd have to find its center of gravity, or it's like you'd have to. I don't think you'd be able to anchor it. And spin you'd have it. to sand it. You, you wouldn't be able to. Yeah, I think people yeah. use like Dremel tools. Yeah, I could see that. I think it would be really awesome, and this is a great idea for somebody out there. If it hasn't been done, even if it has been done, you just do it also, but do it better. I think it'd be really cool to find like a big six-point side that when you lay it down, there's like four points of contact, right? The pedicle, you know, the five and the six, and maybe the brow tine. It has four points of contact, and then all the way down the main beam is the cribbage board. People have done that. And then you just... You don't even need four, you just need three. Well, yeah, I mean, you could do it with any amount, but I, I think it'd be awesome to just have a giant one that covers up a coffee table, and then your elk antler is the cribbage board. I would imagine that would go for quite a bit of money. People have done that, and then if you go to Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation banquets, sometimes the chapter has a big shed, and they've taken a, like a skill saw, and they cut like grooves in it and those are their rocky mountain has big like medallion raffles always or you buy a medallion and it's like that year's thing yeah a little token that's your ticket and they have those like on the shed up its main beam just like you're talking have you have you ever sold a shed um no i've given a couple i gave a couple to grizz's trainer breeder to build up his like shed dog training program because he was new to it and I gave a couple to another guy that asked, and I was like, ah, sure, I guess. But nowadays, when people ask, I say, no, I don't give them away. I don't sell them. What, what, what price point would you? I don't know. Like, if you found, say you found, like, just a gorgeous 400-inch-plus set, at what, what's the dollar amount that you would let those go for? Uh, like, a 400-inch set of elk sheds is big enough where you're starting to sell it based on the inch, like, because it's a 400 inch yeah but the going rate for browns i just heard was 20 dollars a pound and that kind of fluctuates from buyer to buyer but that sound i mean that's pretty high compared to what i typically hear normally it's in the teens isn't it, it? it's gone up the last couple of years okay so it's strong right now and i'm sure we'll get an antler buyer to dm us and say don't tell people that it's not that high now everyone expects it yeah but well so put it into perspective though a 400 inch bull has probably got around a 15 pound antler on each side my 354 was 11 right so you had that many more inches and mass and whatever so for 30 pounds you're gonna sell a once in a lifetime set of sheds for 600 bucks like no i'm not gonna do that so it's got to be significantly more than that and then it's like at what point does it not matter like what does the money not matter it's just that cool to have these sheds but i mean there's people who sell sets for thousands of dollars if they're the right set well, I heard a story from my cousins in Idaho that ran into a sheep herder that also guided in the fall, and he was tracking this huge mule deer. And for two seasons, he watched that mule deer drop both sides, and he picked up both sides. The second year was like 47 days he was up in the mountains watching this deer in the wintertime. Picks up both sides. I can't remember the details, but it was like this first year he was like 210, and then the second year he was like 237. And he sold both sets for six grand, and he regretted it. Yeah, I regretted it because he wished he would have kept it or regretted it because it was not enough money. He thinks he could have got more. But it wasn't so much that he just wanted to have it that bad. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a tough call. I'm just, I feel like it would take a long time before I felt like I wanted to sell something because the money mattered more than the antler to me. Yeah. I don't think people would give me what I would want. Like, okay, 50 grand. Well, no one's going to pay me 50 grand for a 400-inch set. Well, like, I'm not, yeah, I wouldn't sell. I feel like I would feel the same way, not 100% the same way, 
but similar with finding sheds as I do when I shoot an animal. Like if somebody came up to me and said, hey, that bull you shot last year, I'm going to give you a bunch of money for it. I'd be like, dude, it's not for sale. Well, what you there would, is that number that I would. What you would but, probably find is like the guy that's willing to pay that much probably has history with that bull or he shot yes. that bull the next year. And now he wants the set to go with it. Um, it's stuff like that. But yeah, like I said, I don't buy sheds either because I don't think that's very cool. I'm not a collector, so. No, I feel like it's similar to someone shooting a banded bird versus buying bands from birds. Oh you yeah, know what I, mean? I can see that. Like, yeah. dude, I don't like. I didn't. I didn't shoot it, so I don't want the band. Also, I'm not going to sell you this band because I shot it on a hunt. It's not for sale. Yeah, I've seen lanyards where they have those like already on them, just a bunch of aluminum circles. You know. Yeah. Yeah, my dog kennel, my dog collar has one. It's a pheasant dog collar, so I don't know what it says. Is it an actual heavy band? collar? No, it's a heavy. Uh, it, oh, it was just the the band that came with the Dude, collar. Quick band story. Yeah, my first banded goose ever, and only solo. I've shot a couple with groups before, but my first and only solo band. I shot it with my bow. No way. Yeah, yeah. Was way. it on the ground? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> was so, it in season? Don't answer that. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was in season. It was. I had a goose tag because we were doing like the youth waterfall stuff, and my dad lives on the lake, or my parents live on the lake, and every winter or fall, the geese would kind of migrate and yard up on our lake, and they'd just hang out on our beach. And this goose was wounded, and it had a band. I could see like on the back patio, it's got a band. So I called my brother, and he's like, "Dude, you have to find a way to like shoot that goose because like in this part of the country, bands are super rare. Like your cousin Shane's been hunting." his whole life and like hardly ever shoots any bands like, yeah and so i'm like well i can't use my shotgun because like i got neighbors my parents are gone i don't know what to do and my brother's like well shoot it with your bow so i called my buddy and i'm like hey can you come down here the hill and film me with this and he had like one of those old motorola razors with like the what is it eight bit the, the really good <laughs> camera yeah the really really good one he films me i walk up to like five feet from this goose with a field point and I shoot it, and I'm trying to peg its wings down. Well, I shot two. I thought if I went right through the side of the wing, it would keep him from flying. Well, he just went up and above it and started flying away with my arrow halfway in and out of him. Not a good PR stunt for the hunting industry. No, definitely not. Flies right down the beach in front of all these docks and dives into this little creek down by the end of our road where we used to spear carp. It's so now I'm like, oh, i got to go find my arrow. Like, I want to go get this goose. So we go find him, jump on him you know dispatch them the way all waterfallers do head pops off like like that does never happen to me before you you know you go yeah. once twice you usually get it well the whole head popped off the whole thing came so now i'm walking down my street with this headless goose dripping blood the whole way back to my house but i got my band that's a beautiful banded. picture <laughs> dude i love it the out the front window no well that too yeah but the story just, just picturing you walking up with a headless goose dripping blood with all over you. With the biggest your... smile on his yeah, face because yeah. he just shot You're one just, with a bow. just so satisfying. And I ate that goose. Good. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. What was it injured from? Broken wing. Probably oh, a hunter. Somebody shot it. Yeah. Yeah, that Somebody makes sense. Wing yeah. getting missed. All this, I felt so bad because all of his friends left him already. They, oh, yeah, they they're out. Some... No, they're... That, dude, the outdoors is like the freaking Wild West, man. It's like, it's like climbing Everest, right? You go up there with all your buddies, and then somebody, like, sprains their ankle, and it's like, well, you're dead. We can't all hang out here, or we're all dead, too. 
those stories from Everest where people just get left up there to freeze to death on the mountain is pretty insane. But it really is. I heard though the goose were different than that. I heard they had like like if one gets sick and goes down, another one will go with it until it gets better and then they will both leave together. Well, I've heard Do you think that's true? Because I I sh- I've shot a lot of geese, and none of the other ones came back to check on them. <laughs> okay. Lessers I mean, will. Fair. Lessers will do that. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can shoot. Gadwall will. Gadwall are really stupid. Yeah. You could shoot. You could shoot eight of them, and he's like, "Man, you guys are all sick. I better stick around and help you out." And then he comes back, and you shoot the last one. Dude, we are in some elk country actually right now. I've seen elk out in these foothills, even though it seems so barren and desolate. Well, those are horses, so... No, not those. But I think it'd be pretty cool. I, I would imagine most of the elk are not just this close to the road hanging out, but it's definitely possible. Well, we were talking earlier about the videos that we saw this winter of bulls trying to jump fences and getting... They clip the top wire and yeah. just tumble. And then one guy... It was a big bull, like a definite shooter. Clipped his toe, flips over, hits his head shed pops off oh man then they help him get out of the fence and the guy just like picks up this monster elk shed he's like i guess it's my payment for helping this bull out yeah unless it's in colorado because odds are that happened before season unless private land it's legal on private land yeah or a shed closure in utah and yep look at this talking about waterfowl i see some birds on the water right here those are probably coots and now you can't see them no, I saw some white wings in there flapping over on this edge. Okay. But, yeah, man, I hope, I really do hope we get into some stuff. And finding a big old elk antler. Actually, that's that's the question I was going to ask next. Chris, you having no experience with shed hunting, picking up antlers. Like, what do we do, right, if Chris finds a big shed? He finds a big shed, finds out. Dude, you can get like 150 bucks for this shed. And he's like, okay, yeah. Do we just let him sell it? It's his first shed. He has no idea. Or even better yet, he finds a giant side that he might get 300 bucks for. Well, you and it's me, like, dude, you, you got me 20 bucks for it. It's and like, tell dude, me it's a Chris, great deal. <laughs> Chris, you got to understand, this is a really good shed. He's like, yeah, but it doesn't mean anything to me. Well, and how do I we, could make 300 bucks. How do we know it doesn't mean anything? Are you a hunter, Chris? I am. You're but, an I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I feel like you're 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 treating me like I'm, I'm like your stepchild back here or something. There, well, I mean, you did ask a couple questions or you made a couple comments. And to be fair, you didn't know kind of what the agreement was coming out here with Steven. But you're like, I'm sure he'll let us keep a couple big ones. And it's like, okay, well, that's no, fair. We're, yeah, we're, I did ask. I thought yeah. we were working with Steven. Oh, to we're like trying to help him, help him make find money. and like, hey, we get to come out here. He's going to show us where all these cool things are. We're going to look for them. That's going to be the deal. I didn't know it was like a, you know, keep what you find kind of a thing. Yeah, you this know is what? a no, lot of money actually, going into this and gas just to come and help someone else I think else he's money. right, though. I think like, you know, we're bringing Chris out there to help us find some. So if he finds one, it's you know maybe we'll let him keep like a chalker or something yeah. technically he's my employee so it's like he chris and chris and grizz me, right? grizz and chris work together no yeah. back here no and uh, because grizz is like like well, he actually the, knows what he's doing the waterfall crew that i hunt with had like a list like you're on the a team or the b team right yeah grizz is on the a team oh well yeah because nobody else wants to go out there after a bird yeah exactly and some of the hunter like you and i are a teamers right 
Yeah, so I guess what I was saying was I was like, Grizz isn't going to keep him, though, right? No, but I will. Right, so that's what I was meaning, that, like... Oh, yeah, sure, Grizz yeah. is going to keep him. Just, right. yep. So. Like, if it's something that you want, I definitely want you to keep it. I was but just, if I was you're like, dude, I can make 300 bucks off this shed. I was just joking. I would him. probably was, tell you no. Since he was asking if we had to give them to Steven, I was like, yeah, no, you have to give them to us. That's part of the, like, that's how shed yeah. hunting works. But yeah. yeah. No, I, I feel like he's not a shed hunter yet. But I got to imagine walking up on an elk shed for your first shed is a great way to become one. Dude, it'd be sweet. It would be very sweet. What it, We're, we're going to get out there, and there's like three of us who have spotted sheds through glass before we've walked up on sheds before and then chris is going to be out there like filming and he's going to put the camera away pull up the binos and be like oh i think i see one and it's just going to be a tank man i would laugh if if chris is like trying to get like a side angle of us walking and he's like, like looking down at the camera and just wham bam just trip, trip over one. Gosh darn it, these stupid bones keep tripping me up and just like throws it off the, the edge. The camera goes down. I'm and like, all right, Chris, well, now you have to stay out here and find enough sheds to pay me back. No, he's over there tripping on sheds trying to film us, not knowing like, God dang it, these stupid rib what, bones. Yeah, what are all these rib bones? He, he might not have shed hunted, but he's definitely a competent enough outdoorsman to know what a shed is. I feel like he'll be a shed hunter by the end of this trip. I got it. I mean, I we'll can see. accept that challenge. We'll see. I'm curious how he'll how he'll like it. Can you imagine? It's very addicting to me. If, like if he like we find some sheds, he's like, You guys drove all the way down here for that. That's like, a this possibility is what, too. This is what we do. So my thing is I love just being outside. Yeah. So if I don't see or find anything, I mean I'll be a little bummed because it's part of it, but uh, it I would mean, still be do, worth it. You do go waterfowl hunting in, in southwest Missouri. Missouri yeah. So, like, it's not about, as much about shooting things or bringing things home. Yeah, you limit it out on friendship. Yeah. That's <laughs> what, we, we, that, that is our go-to. That, like, that sounds like a real fruity way to describe your hunting. <laughs> that's, that's what we say almost every waterfowl trip in southwest Missouri. Well, at least we limit it on friendship. You know, we're not really out here to fill tanks. We're just here to limit out on friendship. You know, what, we're just hanging out, having a good time. Um why did we all go to that accent? I don't know. I didn't. I don't know where y'all were taking this. <laughs> I just feel like it. Chris is like, no, I'm a man. I still like to be no, outside. I just, I just, but I but I would still like my friends. And now all of a sudden we're talking with a lisp. <laughs> hey, man. Some people have lisps. It's not that bad. Well, hopefully Chris doesn't say, why did you guys drive all the way out here for this? No, I hope he's like, this is cool. Like, I can't believe... We're just walking around picking these things up. So is right. this is this kind of the area that, that he also hunts in, Stephen? Or, you know, I don't know the exact area that he hunts in. I know he hunts in Colorado, and it's a spot where they've had quite a bit of success. I don't think it's here. I think he hunts tucked way farther back into the mountains well, I'm instead sure. of necessarily on the front range. Well, and I'm sure he also, yeah, true, because the winter range out here is usually not the hunting range. But I'm sure if he had tags for these, like Arizona, New Mexico, where we're going, I think are draw units. So if he draws a tag, he probably would hunt here, but it, yeah, it could be hard. So, Chris, how do you feel about rattlesnakes and and aggressive pigs with daggers for teeth? I mean, they were probably not my, my favorite things, but, I mean, you know, it is what it is. What do you, I mean, if... A javelina charges us. We can just shoot it, right? Well, I think that's definitely a shoot shirt 
shoot first and ask questions later situation. Yeah, that's probably true, but I'm, I'm not going to spend time Googling it while he's like, charging me. Some conservation agent's probably just going to laugh at us. Like, really, dude? Oh, self-defense against a javelina. Okay. Well, so I had I told the story earlier, but for the listeners, Wesson MacArthur from Rise and Shed said he was really Mother Nature was calling, and he had his you know his britches down by his ankles, full squat, and he looks up and there's a javelina charging him. Like, what do you do in that situation? Can't run. No. Can't move. You know. Yeah, could you imagine that? What, did he, what did he do? I think he finished his job a lot faster than he was expecting, and uh, it all worked out in the end, but. Yeah, it runs right by him with a razor blade tusk sticking off the side of his head. I wonder what this cop's going to think about us all having headphones and mics on. Well, we can certainly ask him to be on the podcast. That'd be fun. I mean, I hope I don't get pulled over, but it would be kind of fun to be like, hey, man, you mind saying something to the To listeners? be honest, he has multiple reasons to pull us over right now. Why is that? Well, Minnesota truck, their helicopter headsets on. It looks like they just stole someone's U-Haul. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if any of that's probable cause, though. No, probably not. But I don't know if they have, like, whatever those right-to-search laws are out here. Like, they Oh, do yeah, I have no City. idea. I have no idea. He's a sheriff. We'll just smile and nod. Not even looking. And it was a girl. Now we're going through this tiny little town. What are we going to do? Oh, we're not even close to dinner. We just ate. I'm hungry again. Dude, you should have you should have joined Chris on the the discount burrito bowl or the burrito. Dude, that thing's had so much steak and potatoes in it. It was, was unreal. It, was it actually good? Yeah. Like, what are you guys rating your meals? I mean, are we are we going off of a rating of gas station food or like? You, well, you you have, yeah, 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 yeah. You have to go off gas station. Well, food. I mean, I'm going with a ten then. Ten for gas, gas station, station food? food. I mean, it was straight steak and like cubed potatoes. Are, have you ever been to a Quick Trip? Not probably not a KT. He's probably been to a bunch of QTs. Oh yeah, I mean, which is totally. It's hard different. when there's Quick Trip in the game. It's hard to rate anything a ten. Hmm. I would say it was like a six. And what did you get again? I got a small personal pizza, and then I decided to try the chicken balls. Oh yeah, that's right. And I do think it was ground up chicken, but I I really can't be sure at this point. I got I got a calzone. Yeah, your calzone looked good. And they didn't do a whole lot to doctor it up, so I'll say that. But for the ingredients that they use in a gas station calzone, I'd probably give it a solid eight. Well, I gave a, it a six. A little but I was, bit of seasoning could have bumped it up quite a bit. I was hoping for a one. Like I was hoping we could find just food. anything. Yeah, and so six is like that would be like expecting a ten and getting a fifteen instead. Yeah. I mean, normally you go to a gas station in a place like that, and all you get is like a jalapeno cheddar brat that you might as well buy and then walk over and drop directly into the toilet because of how quickly it passes through you. <laughs> but I was very surprised that you weren't pulling my leg. No, it was a it was a beautiful establishment. We would give them a shout out and a call, but trust us, folks, you'll never be there. You'll never find it. <laughs> you never never find that it. <laughs> We could give you the exact GPS coordinates, and you'd get within three hours of there and be like, there's no way this is where I'm actually going. Yeah, I'm not. There's, this no, there's no the reason to transfer. Like, there's no reason to travel this area of the United States. No, it's been an interesting drive. We've gone through a lot of landscapes so far. 
Yeah. Well, now we're starting to get into the into the foothills of the front range. We've got some cedars and pinions. Did you notice for a while there the sagebrush was looking a little bit suspicious, a little sus? Yeah. I was like, I don't think I'm going to go pet that sagebrush. No, definitely not. I don't know what kind of cactuses those were, but they look like sagebrush from a distance. And you get up close, you're like, oh, not a sagebrush. Not what I want to mess with at all. I think there will be a couple. I think we'll get poked and cut a little bit out here this week, some scrapes. But I just really hope we don't get bit by anything. I hope we shed hunt stuff like that because I have never elk. And I love how the listeners are like, oh, thanks for telling yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for telling us what you're seeing. It's like pinion no and cedar front range with like. If Chris was doing his job, they could just see it on YouTube. But yeah, he's he's uh, <laughs> down in his phone. Um, no, I think we're going to I think we're going to be shed hunting a lot of that kind of country because I've never maybe more. O- I think it's going to be more open like this yeah. than on the left side. Maybe. Hope so. Like, I don't know. All I got to go on is uh, YouTube videos and pictures, but that sound, that always looks like fun country to me to hunt. Yeah. Dude, it's a lot of fun to glass in, for sure. So, you know. Brian, do you think it's going to be harder for you to adjust your eyes to the browns when you're used to whitetail? No, I don't think so. I, because, well, like, whitetail aren't necessarily, like, white. And it, brown is, like, you know, like, people are now saying, like, oh, I found some brown whitetail sheds. Brown is, like. It's not brown, brown, like, you It's not a shooter. color. It's a. It's like a brown just means it's this spring's antler. That's all it means. Like down here, especially, we could. But I mean, they're they're a darker color, right? Yeah, I mean, but they're like, not like white. You've not seen always. my elk sheds on the wall, yeah, yeah. right? Those are brown, like sure. true brown. The color of them, aside for when they get out, like yeah. to the last few inches of the tip, they're brown. These are gonna look more like the tips, that sure. color. Yeah, and I've seen you know obviously videos of guys you know going out and an elk shed hunting and stuff but then i was looking at the pictures that that brian had on his phone earlier they're they're a lot whiter color yep yeah the white tails are like whiter yeah. color but like depending on where we are in like new mexico arizona the elk sheds could be like very white if it's not a lot of trees like the antlers are white by nature they turn brown from the things they rub on and stuff and it collects like tree, especially in the whitetails. Like that's why the bases are dark, is because that's where they're rubbing on the trees and it's collecting in the burrs. Mm. But out here, between like different trees and then so much sun, they can get bleached white just by the end of the winter and then drop as white. But you'd still call that a brown because it's a fresh shed. Yeah, brown actually means like the same that green does when you're in a job. Like, oh, he's green. No, he's just new, right? Yeah. It's not actually green. It's just a matter of speech and not a descript description of the color yeah so no i think it's more because you you it's similar shapes and like locations and like it's a skill of look like everyone wants to just look over and see a full beautiful six point shed in the open right you can see the whole shed at once and be like that's a shed but it's really like getting good at it, it's really more looking and seeing like a one inch patch of a, a material and you're like i think that's an antler because it looks like the right color or the right shape or the right texture or whatever. But being able to, like, see an antler by only seeing, like, a couple inches of beam and be like, oh, there's an antler. That's the, where the real skill comes in, where you start finding more. Is Don't, there a certain place that, that it's like, they usually get hung up on or do they, do they just fall off? Uh, I would say a, a large majority of the time they just purely fall off, and that's because the like the chemistry and the hormone changes that cause these to fall off. An antler can go from like 100% attached, you can hang them by his antlers, to on the ground in like 24 hours. 
So it's such a, like, people always do, like, shed traps, and, like, maybe they work, maybe they don't, but it's probably more so because you're pulling them in with food and they're just spending more time there that that's where they And I've heard dropping. horror stories of shed traps. Yeah, they get caught in them because that antler's not coming off until it's ready. Yep. So that elk can run through these bushes every day, and then... It's not it, like a loose tooth. Yeah, it happens so fast. All. Okay, yeah, that's a great analogy. Like, I, I had a deer, and I thought, like, when one falls off, the other one's going to fall off right away, which sometimes it happens. I saw a whitetail this, not this last season, the season before. That spring, I was watching it on trail camera. It was coming through every single day. And one day, it showed up on camera with only one side. And I was like, oh, dude, it's probably right around here somewhere. Looked and looked and looked, couldn't find it. Well, I knew in the last 48 hours, because I think it was two days before I saw it with two on it, uh, in the last 48 hours, it dropped. It was almost three full weeks that it kept the other side yeah and i had never seen that and i didn't realize that was a thing but apparently sometimes they drop almost simultaneously and sometimes it takes a long time i think the bigger they get the closer they drop together. for sure yeah i mean this is a tiny little especially thing. like a giant elk you think when he shakes his head that's like four feet getting and, whipped around and you'll see it i mean it'll startle them they'll they might run a little bit and then they shake their head a bunch like my head's lopsided yeah uh, but yeah, as far as actual spots, I mean, they spend a lot of time feeding and bedding as far as just like walking around a bunch, they don't necessarily do that. So if you can find a good bedding area, there's a good chance if they're using it quite a bit, there's going to be sheds in it. I always thought like fence rows would be awesome. And I talked to a lot of people and they're like, dude, do not waste your time walking fence rows because it doesn't, they could be 30 minutes from dropping and the impact from jumping over the fence isn't going to cause them to fall off. Yeah, I've walked a lot of fence lines. I mean, I would walk one if it was in between, like, food and bed and a very obvious, like, huge trails, but yeah. I haven't found very Yeah, you'd walk it if it was a trail and not across, not looking for crossings. Well, if there's, like, five or six, like, they're, they're just, like, a bunch of trails crossing this, I'd yeah. maybe walk it once. But, but, yeah, I don't find a ton on, on fences, um, really. So, no, yeah, the bedroom, like, this... The time of year where they're dropping, there really is no food. Like, the pretty much for the most part, the food's gone. They're just trying to survive and hang on, and, you know, they're probably bedded most of the day or bedded right next to the food. So, yeah, you're really looking for the bedroom. I, I've i got a question. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've got a question for you, Brian. If you could say, I will give up, I will give up elk hunting, for two years if I found this many elk sheds over the next two years would you or is it like no I love shed hunting but there's no way I would give it up well, in exchange I don't know I mean if I could just like pick a number that's like well yeah of course I would pick like a hundred brown booners a year yeah I'd give up one elk tag for that okay yeah what is what is a Boone and Crockett elk I believe it's 360 for a lot of the state levels and like 370 or 375 for the the all-time book for a, a American. What's uh, Pope and Young? Do you know? Pope and Young is I do know. It's either I think it's the high twos. I believe the it's like twos. 280 or 290. Okay. My brother shot one that was just a touch over three, and it it made Pope and Young. You've seen you've seen my elk from this year, not in yeah. person, but you've seen pictures. Yeah. What do you think that scores? 
Uh, I, w I haven't seen good enough pictures of it to score it. Okay. I've had a lot of people say close to three, somewhere in that range. But I have not scored it, and I don't know enough about elk scoring to... I've seen a couple of, I've seen a couple, my brother's got two that are almost both 300 on the nuts. Okay. And so it, it, it takes a big elk to hit three. I think so many people, like when you start talking elk and elk hunting, there's 340s and 350s and 390s, and now it's like 400 is the number everyone wants to talk about. But it still is a big bull to hit 300. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like you hear it a lot with everything. Like if people aren't necessarily into scoring it's very easy to be like oh i think that was a 300 yeah I th or even with whitetail man it's probably like 150 160 and it's like but do you know that based off of experience or do you just think that's what a 150 160 because i'm guilty of it i used to just rough score deer even though i had never actually scored one i had seen pictures and like oh somebody said oh yeah check this deer out this one scored 147 hey check this deer out it scored 160 whatever and so based off of that i thought oh yeah this deer is probably gonna score this much but yeah. i honestly have no idea i'll have to show you a picture after the episode and see what you think yeah you can like break it down i think like you start with a six point bowl that's got like a 35 36 inch inside beam and a like a 45 inch beam length or inside spread and beam length and like 12 inch fronts and a 10 inch third and a 15 inch fourth and a you know, eight inch fifth and that you, you like, there's a kind of a framework that you can start with for like an average 300. And then you look at a bull and you start going like bigger here, shorter there, like, yeah. you know, subtract five inches. Cause this fronts really aren't that strong or, and you can kind of piece one together on the hoof. That's kind of the best way to do it. Okay. Well, dude, I'm excited. What are we at time wise? We just rocked an hour and 10 minutes. You know what I just realized also? You no. guys could combine your guesses for how many elk sheds we're, or how many sheds we're gonna find, and it's not even how many I guess. Uh, so I think I might be quite a ways off. You said 27, he said 18, I said 49. Yeah, so our numbers are what, 45? Yeah, you guys guessed 45 combined, and I said 49. Well, that's, so, I hope you're right. I hope I'm right too. We never yeah, picked I mean, I hope you're right on it. I mean, it's, I hope I'm right, but I hope you're right. No, I don't. I hope you are wrong. I hope you are. I hope you are completely wrong. Because if you're wrong, that means we found at least 24 or 23. Yeah, that's true. I hope Chris loses. I have never wanted that so bad as for Chris just to lose miserably. Yeah. But yes. we never picked what's riding on this. No, we haven't. What are we going to do? I don't know. I think it should be something like something funny that you have to do instead of like a monetary or any type of prize like a punishment like a punishment not a prize for winning but a punishment for losing yeah maybe like something when we stop at a restaurant or a gas station we'll think of it oh you know what it should be what we should well if we, we don't have a lot of time but it'd be really funny to videotape the loser trying to run down one of those antelope that would be funny the whole we could, of them right there we could probably make that happen as long as it's on public land and there's no cpw agents oh yeah true wildlife harassment you know yeah that would be uh maybe not the greatest that would be a bummer we'll figure something out has but, to give up their seat for chris <laughs> um before we hop off we've got an announcement to make we sure do 
Brian has been absolutely crushing it as the co-host and most recently as the host of the podcast. I mean, you've been running it. Like, I've been traveling a bunch. You've been just taking it and going. Had some great guests on, some awesome episodes, and we're now announcing you are officially the solo host of the Western Rookie Podcast. Yeah, this is uh, going to be the last kind of hoorah. We might do one more Western Rookie on this trip because we could follow wrap up. But I've been I've been running out of reasons why you're not on the podcast lately. Like, oh, he's in Texas visiting Scout. He's bringing oh, yeah. Canyon to martial arts. He's <laughs> going to a business meeting. And like, pretty soon people are going to start asking some questions. But this has kind of been in the works. You're just you're on to other things, right? On to other things. Yeah. Lots of things going on in the Matthews household. And I've loved being a part of the Western Ricky and getting the guests on and doing the content. But with with your knowledge, with your experience in the West, with your connections in the outdoor industry, um, it was just time that somebody was able to to give the Western Ricky the attention that it needed. Yes, yeah, so you'll still be doing Nomadic Outdoorsman on the Sportsman's Empire Nation. You yep. and your wife are launching the We Are Dan and Sam podcast, which is heavily i think you still dabble in hunting but heavily focused bit. on family life yep um business and travel i think we're like six episodes into that now yeah but between that some other things that are still yet to be um released and then you know a new business there's just a lot happening and i didn't feel like i was doing it the service that it required we'll have you as like a reoccurring um contract guest maybe that's what it yeah was. yeah i mean like whenever you need i'm gonna hop on and just remind you that i found the biggest elk shed uh and talk about that that that's a big that's a big set of shoes to fill for finding one shed no, I found, I you're on two now how many sheds have you found intentionally shed hunting oh two okay yeah i'm saying that's big shoes to fill no, that's all right. I mean, this is the West, man. I've glassed up a whole ton of elk sheds. All right. We'll see how it goes. It's going to be the battle of... I, I would be it's gonna honored be the gla- to buy you guys lunch or dinner. It's going to be the battle of the glass versus the past, because I've found a lot of them in my past. That's all right. I'm, I'm up for the challenge, man. I go into every hunt very confident. I'm already up, and too, I'm, man. I'm not going to do a shed hunt any We're different. counting that deadhead. No, you're not. What Dude, do you mean? You, I asked you if I should stop. It's easy to. No. St- well, I said it's on private land. No, you're not. You're not counting a deadhead on somebody's private land. Do deadheads count as two sheds? The ranch I go to in South Dakota, they count deadheads as two. They do. That's that's going to be Which interesting. Which is not something shed hunters do, but they do it because they have like contests and stuff. And people are get- you? Here's one last question: Are you picking up every shed you find? Well, I'll pick everyone up. I mean, like if it's super chalked chalk out. Chalk white, you're not going to take it back? I found a couple chalked out elk antlers archery hunting. One of them would have been a beautiful bull. He had like seven inch, eight inch bases, but it was just chalked out. Like he was only like four inches of beam in the f- first two inches of his fronts. And I just took a picture of it and left it lay. If it if it's not like completely crumbled, hey, there's something up there. Uh, if it's not like completely crumbled, I'd probably take it home as long as it's a decent size. If it's like a small or if it's like a mule deer shed that's super chalky, I'll probably, you know, snap a picture of it, believe it. They'll count for the, yeah. If it's They'll a, count for the overall, for pictures sure. count, but if it's a fully intact chalker, I'd probably save it and then do like yeah. antler resurrection with Sean Curtis and then turn it brown again if it's a good size one. I don't know how I feel about that yet. Like what? changing it. 
you know, I you just might change as your idea I'm not real fast when you find a 400 inch chalker. No, I don't know if I would though. I don't know if I would. I'm not a fan of like when someone shoots an elk or a deer and a tine is busted off, and then they have it like reformed in their mount. I'm like, dude, you didn't shoot it like that though. You didn't shoot it with a fully intact rack. So why would you recreate it just because it had it at one point? That doesn't make sense to me. If, It'd be the same as like, oh, I shot a deer when it was eight and a half years old. It disappeared for four years and then it showed back up and I shot it at eight and a half, but it had a smaller rack. I'm just going to put a bigger rack on it to make it look like it was when it was in its prime. That doesn't make sense to me. If, if it was me and it was like a whitetail that we had on our farm and we were tra- tracking and he broke uh, something off like that season, I'd put it back like exactly how he had it just to like give credit to the deer in the farm see i'm i'm out i'm opposed to that but but that's because i'm not doing it because like oh i wanted the 150 and now he's only one oh yeah definitely not measurement wise like that's just i'm like that's what the farm that's just dishonest that's like what a what a that's like someone 511 guy that's the 511 that's five nine dude it's just reoccurring i'm just more honest than you i didn't say i do that i said people do that Oh, I thought you said if it was on my farm, I would do that. No, to give credit to the farm and the deer. I'm not going to say oh, okay, I shot yeah, this yeah. 150. I was like, I shot him as a 142, but he grew 150. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. I think I'd still just not leave it on there. All now, right. if it falls down and breaks, like one of the guys, the last bull that we got out of camp this year, as they were dragging it down the mountain to the four-wheeler, they busted a tine off and they couldn't find it, like a small part of the tine, mm-hmm. and they went back to find it and they never could that i can understand because it's like dude it was an accident or if it like drops and breaks recreate it to when it what it looked like when you shot all right well that's that's the that's the plan then dan's gonna keep his chalk white i'm gonna have a beautiful brown all right and uh hey close us out podcast host thanks for listening folks and we will keep you updated as the western rookie crew starts vacuuming up sheds down here in the southwest sounds good thanks for hanging out chris See you guys. Appreciate you letting me come on. Anytime.